Well, good morning, church. How are we? We all good? We pumped to sit under the word this morning? Who's going to receive something? I know I am. I've been so blessed uh, doing the preparation this week for the message. Um, As you all know, if you've been here, we've been on a series uh, on healing. And that's been amazing. You know, who knows that God wants us to walk in health? Amen. Who knows that God wants us to walk in healing? Amen. He's the healer. And so I just thought um, this morning, God has put it on my heart to really talk about, you know, Pastor Pete was bringing the two doors of, of how we access healing, one being God's faith and the gifts and the sovereign move of God. I'm going to um, come over to the other door and talk about our faith, accessing everything that God has for us through our faith, and in particular, healing. Um, And actually, I'm going to talk about hindrances, things that can hinder uh, that door of faith and us stepping into healing. Amen. Psalm 103, verse uh, 2 to 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And verse 3 says, Who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Can everyone just say all? All means everything. There was nothing missing. You know, by faith, we know that we're forgiven. It's the same as healing. We step in by faith. And I love that word benefit. It means recompense, rewards, treatment, act of goodwill, or that which has been given. And so the fact that Psalm 103, uh, 2 to 3 says, don't forget this. It kind of implies that we can sort of occasionally in our Christian life start to overlook or, you know, set aside or fail to hold in mind that healing was something that was made available to us as believers. You know, it's like we're born into the family of uh, the king, so there's a kingdom to partake of. There's something that we get to partake of in healing and health. You know, I had a friend uh, that worked in the city And she was a corporate lawyer and she was telling me about all the benefits that she got uh, from working with this one company. You know, she worked in one of those really big buildings and she was saying that um, for starters, their maternity leave package was full pay for two years. And I thought, that's almost unheard of. That is an amazing benefit. And then she was saying how in the building there's childcare, there's a childcare centre. That's just for the employers. That's one of the benefits. And then she was saying um, how there's also a chef who cooks their meals. And I thought, gee, I want to be a part of that. (laughs) Amen. That's the same as us, as believers, as born-again believers. There's so many benefits to partake of and we're not to forget one of them. So this morning, I'm kind of going to focus on two aspects. Um, You know, it's us walking in health for ourselves, but then also us releasing the power of God and being able to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So two areas here that I've felt God uh, draw me to this morning. You know, in Matthew 10, uh, 7 and 8, it says, uh, Jesus sent out the 12. And this is what he said. As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he tells us what the kingdom of heaven is. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. Wow, that's the kingdom of heaven. And God wants his people walking in that power and in that authority. But you know, something that we have to watch is that the enemy will 
come in and try and kind of make us earn that healing, you know, or earn uh, rewards or become good enough to walk in the power of God. And I was reading, you know, where um, Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And it's interesting because Satan said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off the highest point. What do you mean if you are the son of God? He's got nothing to prove. He is the son of God. You know, and sometimes we just have to watch that we don't get into that mindset of trying to uh, prove something that's actually already ours. Amen. We got Easter coming up. It's all about the cross. Healing happened at the cross. I was thinking about this and just having a laugh to myself. You know, you have funny moments with kids all the time. And um, when, we're, when COVID was happening and we did church uh, for a little while at home and we would always do communion and um, our old house that we were living in, the neighbours are quite close, like every side. And um, one of the kids is playing in the backyard while we're kind of, you know, watching worship and, and waiting for communion to come on. And, and Alara, our middle girl, <laughs> the door was open and you could see the neighbours' kids kind of playing through the fence. And Alara screams from the backyard, have we done the blood thing yet? And I'm like, Com- communion, you mean communion? Yeah, we'll do communion soon, like just to make sure they heard, I don't know what they thought, you know, but it's all about the blood. In that blood that Jesus shed, there was nothing lacking, nothing missing. Amen? So I've got three points for you guys. Um, I'll just say one more thing before we pray and then we'll get into, get into the message. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, uh, Paul says, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Confusion comes from the enemy, you know? He wants us to try and have a perspective on healing and, and, you know, walking in the power of God, that it's complicated, it's hard. I'm not quite sure how to obtain it. But, you know, the moment we were born again, we received the Spirit of God. We received the life of God. We just take Him on His Word. Amen? He heals all of our diseases. He forgives all of our sins. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Let's not overcomplicate it. Amen? We have that power. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, as we get into your word this morning. Father, we just open our hearts to hear from you, Lord God. We just thank you that um, your word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Father God, we just thank you that it brings change this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the first point is great faith. Everyone say great faith. That's going to be our first point. Um, We can turn to Matthew chapter 15 for those of you who would like to follow along. Matthew chapter 15. I'm not going to use the screen, so you guys have to do it the old-fashioned way in the Bible. (laughs) So who of you, when I said great faith, kind of had this nagging thing in the back of your head that said, oh, that's not me, I don't have that? I reckon there would have been a few of us But I want to show you from Scripture what great faith is according to Matthew chapter 15. You know, it's not some uh, supernatural spiritual explosion that happens. We can all walk in great faith. And from, from Matthew chapter 15, I want to show you that great faith is actually just about hearing 
and then it's about being persistent. And let's have a look at Matthew chapter 15. This is actually, the story is recorded in Matthew and uh, Mark. And I'll just pull out one verse in Mark before we start at Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Um, so Mark seven twenty-five. it kind of gives us a, an extra little snippet that the book of Matthew doesn't. And it says, uh, for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him being Jesus and she came and fell at his feet. So that's really important. You know, she's obviously heard, okay, this guy's healing people. He's doing miracles. I need to go and get wherever he is. And it actually says that um, in, in, the, in Mark's account that Jesus is in a house. It says that he goes in there and he's, um, you know, he doesn't want to be seen and he goes in quietly, but it just said that didn't happen because the multitudes followed. Kind of a common thing with Jesus, that people just flock to him. All right, so it says that she heard about him. Okay, let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 15, uh, verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed from the region of Tyre and Sidon. Verse 22, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. So see, she's heard and now she's speaking. Verse 23, and he answered her, not a word. Wow, <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a punch in the gut. You know, she's coming in for healing for her daughter and wants, he answered her, not a word. And then just to make it worse, the disciples came and urged him and said, send her away for she cries out after us. So, you know, whether this woman was known to the disciples and had been kind of following them and asking where Jesus is, but they say, can you just send her away? So that's, that's two times. She goes again, verse 24. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right, verse 25, this is the next time she goes... Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She was not giving up. And, you know, you feel for her because it's her daughter and her daughter's demon-possessed. She's like, I'm going after this with everything that I've got. I've heard that you're a healer. I'm coming in to get my healing. And then verse 26, uh, yeah, but he, answer, but he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Again, a oh, bit of a kick, you know. Verse 27, and she said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Again, she goes, what persistent faith. She's not giving up. Verse 28, then Jesus answered her and said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be so as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And that's what Jesus calls great faith, you know, the persistence. I actually looked up the word persistence just literally in, in Google Dictionary and it said, continuing firmly or obstinately in an opinion or course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of my kids when I say, oh, we'll, we'll get ice cream. They do not let you forget. Like even three weeks later, Mum, you said we could go to that shop and get ice cream. I'm like, did I? <laughs> well, just not today, you know. They hold you to that word. And that's what we've got to be like. That's what Jesus calls great faith. Every single one of us has a spirit of faith. Amen? What's one of the fruits of the spirit? Faithfulness. 
we can, we can find ourselves waiting and not acting when God says, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Amen? Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, The kingdom of heaven suffer, suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Sometimes we've just got to get determined. We've just got to be persistent and the victory is ours. You know, and it's important to remember, okay, what are we having faith in? Because we can start teaching about faith. You're not having faith in your own faith. You're not having faith in the amount of faith you've got. You're having faith in the complete work at the cross. There was nothing that was left out. God's not into doing half a job. You know, I was thinking about this and, you know, my husband hires lots of employees raking and cleaning up uh, the gardens and um, at his business. And, you know, sometimes you get people in who are really just there just for the money, just don't, don't really care about what kind of job they do. And it's like you see half a job that's been done and it's you go and address it, well, what happened? You know, you're supposed to do this area, but you only did this. And they all, yeah, but, but look at all this. But it's blaringly obvious what they haven't done. <laughs> you know, some of us get into the thing where we're forgetting his benefits. He says, forget not my benefits. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's not about trying to earn it. It's not about trying to become good enough. Amen. You know, I love what first. Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Everyone say completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, body. There's nothing that was left out, guys. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Amen. You guys are really quiet. Are we all good? Being stirred? I really feel God just wanting to release faith to you. You know, we're not to walk short of what was done at the cross. Amen. There's actually a verse that I had. I I didn't read it, but I'm going to read it just now. And it says... um, it's Jesus talking and in John 6, 39, it says, this is the will of my Father who sent me, that all that he has given me, I should lose nothing and I should raise it up on the last day. So even Jesus said, you know, I don't wanna lose anything of what God has given me. I love Pastor Pete's analogy a few weeks back of the cheese and crackers. Who remembers that? You know, the cruise ship and the guy who didn't know that he had the all-inclusive uh, meal and he's sitting out, in the top deck, eating the cheese and crackers, when God's saying, come and feast. (laughs) There's nothing, there's nothing lacking in our salvation. Amen. All right, let's go to the second point. The second point is, do not be moved while you wait. Do not be moved while you wait. And we're going to read from Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. We're also going to read from 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9. So I'll give you bit of time if you guys want to put your fingers in those two chapters, uh, those two books. So, you know, often we see there's time between seed time and harvest, right? That's just a normal thing, you know. 
Sometimes we get those quick, instant answers of prayer, but then other times we plant a seed and then we wait for the harvest knowing that he's faithful. But it's in this in-between period of when we've planted the seed, when we've received that bit of faith, knowing that it's going to work out, knowing that we're going to be healed, knowing that we can expect more, to then actually seeing the manifestation of what happened. And so it's in this little in-between period that I'm just going to speak to for a minute. I actually read uh, a quote which really uh, blessed me and it said, it was by Dean Briggs, better say who quoted it, and he said, the most radical thing we can do is to stay steady. Whew, you know? And I'll be the first one to say that that's not as easy as, as what we think it is, staying steady. Let's go to Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. You guys there? Who's got it? Yep. For as the rain and snow come down from the heavens and return not there again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth and it shall not return to me void without producing any effect or useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it to. So, you know, I just love this analogy that God's talking about the rain and the snow that comes down. Does that ever get sucked back up to heaven? Once it's on the ground, it brings fruit and it brings growth. And that's the analogy that he uses with his word. What an amazing tool that he's given us. His very word that we speak out, you know, we call our bodies into alignment. You know, we can pray healing over others. There's nothing that's above that name of Jesus. When we speak the word, things come into alignment. Amen? You know, he gave us his word to ensure there would be a continual harvest in our life. But we actually have to be the ones that sow. We take the seed for our corresponding need and put it in the ground of our heart. Amen? Sowing and reaping. It's a principle that's all throughout the Bible. You know, you can come down on a Sunday and, and the pastors will lay hands on you and God will set you free because he loves you. But then what you do from Monday to Saturday actually matters as well. Are you sowing the word of God into your life? Are we speaking the word of God over our bodies, over our families? It's important, it matters. Uh, when's the last time someone looked at Genesis 1? I was kind of flicking through that the other day and, and just having a look at it. And, you know, the first page there, all throughout, it says, actually went and highlighted it every single time. It said, then God said, let there be light. And then he said that it was good. And then again, then God said, something happened, something was created. Then God said, the waters were brought forth. And God saw that it was good. Continually throughout the creation of the universe, that was how God brought forth what he needed to see. Then God said, and just like in Isaiah 55, 10 to 11, we have that same word. We can speak that same word. Amen? And you know, it's important to know while we're waiting for the victory and while we're waiting to see what we're believing for, he fathers us through the victory. Amen. He's not hands off. You know, I had a little moment with one of our daughters um, uh, this week, actually, and she started to not want to go into her room. 
and she's saying, oh, I'm, I'm scared, I'm scared in there. And then she started to not want to go into the, uh, her sister's room. And I was like, okay, come on, come on. I said, all right, Lara, come and sit down. I want to tell you what the Bible says about you. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And I said, every time you go into your room, I want you to say that. I said, that's the word of God. It will not return to you void. You know, I've been speaking to them also about having... Uh, uh, authority over their emotions and not just being carried by everything that comes their way. I'm like, no, you're the boss over that, you know? A little bit of my parenting insight. So anyway, every time she goes into the room, come on, Larry, you can say it. It sort of worked once or twice, but then, no, it's not working and I don't want to do it. And, you know, for a moment there, I started to get a bit like, Lara, you know, come on, you can do it and trying to, you know, but I felt God speak to me in that. And that's what he said, you know, I father you through the victory. He said, I've given you everything that you need, but in the meantime, I'm not hands off. So I felt God say, go in there with her. She's going to be speaking the word, but you go in there with her every single time, just like God does with us. Amen. And just this morning, actually, she went in there by herself. She said her verse. First time in a long time that she's gone into her room without being scared. I was like, glory. You know, it says in John 6, 37, all whom the Father gives and entrusts to me will come to me. And the one whom comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. He says, I'll never, no, never reject one of them who comes to me. Amen. At any moment in our faith journey, we can, we can ask God for mercy. I mean, no one is perfect in this thing. You know, no one is 100% in faith all of the time. But at any moment, we ask him for mercy. And just like it says, I'll never reject one of them who comes to me. Amen. So we're to resist doubt. We're to resist unbelief. We don't even want to give the enemy one second of our brain space of, of, of wavering. You know, I kind of get like a real righteous sort of anger when I see God's people going through something. I just think, how dare you, enemy? You've got no right over them. You know, I don't even want to enter into the water of allowing the enemy to have one second of that. Let's go to 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. And you know, you guys, we teach on this a lot, but these are actually keys to victorious Christian living. I feel like we can't teach on them enough. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says... Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Then it says, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And I love what the Amplified says. It says, withstand him, being firm in faith against his onset. That's such a key. You know, the quicker we can, uh, the better we can get at recognising when thoughts aren't of God, they're from the enemy, the quicker we're going to have the victory. You know, we don't want to let any of those thoughts get into our heart and create a stronghold because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We're to literally let the word of God become our thoughts. Just think the word of God. Amen. You know, we, um, Greg and I went to America a few years back had the best time. I was actually pregnant with Alara. Our first daughter was come along uh, for the trip and um, we toured around America and the last stop was Hawaii. 
And we didn't know it at the time, but we actually were there um, when Pipeline was on. Who knows Pipeline? It's like one of the massive surf competitions. And so we went down to the beach and, and walked down there and we're like, what's going on? And there's just pro surfers everywhere, there's cameras. We were like, oh, this is awesome. That was really good timing, you know? So we just kind of sat on the beach and, and just sort of watched the whole thing unfold. It was really awesome. But the, has anyone been to where Pipeline is? Anyone to the beach? Angie, yeah. So the waves actually break like right on the shore. Like, if you're not surfing, don't go in the water, you know what I mean? Because you really, like, the waves break right there and they suck straight back out. And I guess that's why apparently it's a good competition to watch because it all unfolds really close from the shore. And the reason I tell you this is because, you know, we had Lacey and she was only three, four. She, she's not that good a swimmer. I said to her, you cannot even go in the water. You actually can't even put your feet in the water. Don't even go there. And that's what we've got to be like with the enemy. Resist him, being steadfast, especially in the area of healing and walking in the power of God. You know, resist him at the onset. Amen. Don't even have five minutes of anxiety about not having that expected end. You know, Jenkin brought Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and to give you an expected end. I think that's the King James. That's what we're to meditate on. Amen. All right. You guys good? Good for one more point? All right. The final point is we're not appointed to wrath. So let me explain that. We'll go into that. We're going to, um, the key verse for this point is 1 Thessalonians 5 9. 1 Thessalonians 5 9. So, you know, it really kind of comes down to righteousness. We can't be questioning where we stand with God. We can't be questioning his response to us. That can actually be a direct hindrance to receiving healing, to walking in the healing power of God. You know, like I said before, Ephesians, it says we're seated with him in heavenly places. If we stay in this kind of thing where we're unsure of his response or is, you know, have I done something that's kind of upset him? You know, where's he going to go? It's like we stay on this really shallow level with him. You know, we're supposed to come boldly to the throne of grace and take hold of what we need. Don't be unsure of his response to you. And I'm just going to, before we go to 1 Thessalonians, I'm just going to go to Hebrews 5, 12, actually, if anyone wants to um, go there, because this really illustrates the point that I'm making. Hebrews 5, 12 to 13. And it says, so it says, verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. And then he elaborates in verse 13. For everyone who partakes of milk only is unskilled in the word of righteousness and he is a babe only. We want to move past this. We want to be able to come boldly to the throne of grace. You know, when I approach God for my need, whatever it is, I've got to know that his response to me is because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because of how perfect I am or not because of how good my believing is or anything to do with that. Boldness. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, 
The Amplified actually says he did not select us to condemn us, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus. What a verse. That's such an amazing verse. This is something that we need to have so close in our heart of how God relates to us. And that word wrath there is translated anger, the natural disposition, temper, character. I'm actually going to read it, this whole thing that was in the Strong's. Movement or agitation of the soul, impulse, desire, any violent emotion, but especially anger, indignation, <laughs> anger exhibit, exhibited in punishment, hence used for the punishment itself. Wow. Can you see how you're not going to come boldly to the throne of grace if you're thinking that's how God's going to respond to you? This is what religion can do, you know? And, but let's see what we are appointed to, salvation. Remember that salvation is not just about going to heaven. Salvation is about eternal life, which begins the day we get born again. Deliverance, preservation, safety, rescue or safety, physically or morally, to deliver health. Everyone say health, salvation and saving. Amen. So we're to come and partake boldly. You know, the wrath of God is not laid upon you and it's not laid upon me because he laid it upon Jesus. That's so foundation to the way we relate to God because eventually we're going to fall short. If you're approaching God on your own merit, you know, uh, hopefully I can be healed because I've done enough or, you know, hopefully when I lay hands on the sick, my 10 hours of Bible study last week was enough. You're always going to fall short because you can never actually do enough. Amen. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. <laughs> awesome. Isn't that so good? You know, I love the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. She was literally caught in the very act, you know, and Jesus didn't deny that, that it was wrong, you know. It's like, okay, there was something there that was wrong. But I just love his response. Where are those that accuse you? Where are those that condemn you? And she said, nowhere, Lord. And then he said, neither do I condemn you. Wow amazing. That's why we can have boldness, because he's not relating to us this way. Amen. Come and partake of healing. He provided everything we're ever going to need. And I just really feel God wanting to lift us as a church, you know, that we're placed as a church in this community to go and be witnesses. You know, what did Paul say? I, I didn't come at you with persuasive words of wisdom, but with the power of God. You know, this is what the church can rise up and walk in. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you guys get blessed? Yeah. You all good? Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's all stand. I don't know whether to share this testimony or not, but we're just, I guess we're right in the, right in the topic there of, um, you know, being a people. Thanks, Pastor Jess. It stirred me this morning, your word. Um, but just a... Uh, uh, Rosemary came home the other day and, and she described a particular person that uh, works in uh, one of the shopping centres here and said, you know that, that, that person? I said, yeah, yeah. And she goes, well, today, because, um, you know, we talked about not being a person that speaks the problem all the time. 
well, this woman came at her and Rosemary said, how are you today? And the lady started talking the problem and Rosemary said, that's it, I'm going to be the answer. And, uh, and started to speak the answer. And so she, uh, she said to her, would you like me to pray for you? Because she was talking about her physical ailments. And, um, and the lady said yes. And so Rosemary went behind the checkout stood with her, laid hands on her and started praying with her in the checkout with someone else waiting to put their shopping through. <laughs> and Rosemary's praying a prayer of faith over her. And, uh, and I said, what did she do? She said she kept on putting, ringing the things through while she was praying for her, you know. But what did she say afterwards? Thank you so much. You know, church, we've got to get bolder. And I love Rosemary's boldness sometimes. It's so spontaneous. You know, there's a spontaneity to it, which comes with Rosemary's personality, but I love it. And, you know, we ought to be the same as well, eh? You know, we need to take these truths that we hear on Sunday and walk them out, you know, Monday through Saturday and find opportunities and seize them and be that bold uh, to, you know, speak the word and, um, and, and lay hands on the sick. Amen.